Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. We're in our Summer of Freedom series, amen? And so in the late spring, the Lord put in my heart to declare that this is a summer of freedom. And so that's what we've been concentrating on for the last month or so. And we dealt with shame extensively for a couple weeks in a row, and we introduced the topic of fear last week. We just opened the door on it, and we'll go a little bit further today. Last week, we shared freedom from fear, and today we're sharing unmasking fear. Unmasking fear. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And we've been looking at our first parents a lot as we understand how to live free. And we looked at the first temptation of Adam and Eve and their fall. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent says to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of his fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. This is something we pointed out several weeks in a row, but we'll point it out again. Notice the deception the enemy brought. He played on Eve's desire to be like God or to be godly. That's a good desire. How many know it's a good desire to be godly? So he took a good desire and twisted it. That's why he's called the wicked one. The root of the word wicked means twisted. So he took something good and he twisted it. He took a good desire and twisted it. And instead of recommending the path God wanted them to be on, he recommended his own path. He recommended a path that cast doubt on the word of God. So she saw the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one rise. So also part of the deception was that Eve didn't fully understand who she really was. And the enemy still plays identity deception to this day. He comes against people to see if they really know who they are. He tried the same thing on Jesus after he was baptized and the Holy Ghost came and rested upon him. He said, if you really are the Son of God, then do this. If you really are the Son of God, then do that. Now remember, there was just a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved Son, and him I'm well pleased, right? So immediately after this public confirmation of who Jesus is, Satan attacks his identity. Satan still attacks identity today. He will send suggestions. He will send thoughts. He'll send lies, whatever he can to get you to believe a lie about yourself. 
Because if you believe the lie about yourself, you will now identify with the lie and act based upon that lie. And so this revealed Eve didn't understand who she really was. Because once Adam and Eve sinned, they turned over their authority and their dominion to Satan. And according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan became the God, the lowercase g, of this world. Well, how did he get that dominion and authority? He got it from Adam and Eve when they sinned. So this deception revealed that Eve didn't understand who she was, and it was a twisted attack to take something good and give you an alternate way to get there. I just wonder if today you're pursuing something good, but you're going a twisted way to get it. And you think the end justifies the means. Because what even Adam did not realize was that eating the fruit was not just going to be eating the fruit, they're going to change the way they think. They are going to now adopt a mentality that's going to separate them from God. Because a lot of times we think it's our actions, it's our sin that separates them from God. And we see that in the Scripture. But the Scripture also tells us there's a way of thinking that will separate us from God. And what Adam and Eve didn't realize that as they sinned, the glory of God that covered them was going to be removed. They were now going to enter into shame, and there's going to be a new way of thinking that's going to keep them separate from God. Because what's the first thing that happened when they sinned? Their eyes were open. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves waist coverings. So what happened? They were ashamed, and so they covered themselves with things they had no business covering them with. And shame will always cause you to cover up with stuff that can't clothe you appropriately. There was, shame will cause you to cover up religion and becoming focused on works. Shame will cause you to lie, to deceive others, and to operate in false pride. Shame will cause you to make promises that you can't keep. Shame will cause you to get your self-worth from the things that you do. Shame will produce an inability to come to a place of honesty with God because you believe you don't have any true value. Shame will cause you to concentrate on your sin instead of concentrating on the Savior. And so God walks in the cool of the day and says, Adam, where are you? And notice what Adam said. He said, I was hiding myself because I was afraid and I was ashamed that I was naked. He was ashamed, but he was also afraid. As we said last week, shame was the vehicle, but fear was the driver. Shame was the vehicle, and fear was the driver. And Adam is now the passenger prince being driven around by fear in a vehicle of shame. Now, you know, we've all learned this lesson growing up, hopefully all of us, and we pass this lesson, important lesson, to the next generation. Don't get in the vehicle with somebody you don't know. Right? Come on, even if you take Uber or Lyft, they let you know this is the driver, this is what they look like, you can know you can get in the car with this individual. You're not going to randomly get in the car with somebody you don't know, right? Right? You know this. I don't have to go through the lessons. doesn't matter if they hand you a cookie or a piece of candy. Don't get in the car, right? Y'all know that, right? But how many of us are jumping in the vehicle of shame? 
and ride and taking a ride that's going to lead us to a hellish destination. There are too many believers who have been redeemed from shame that are still riding in the vehicle of shame because fear is driving them. We have to unmask fear. Fear is not something to play with. As we talked about last week, Hebrews 2 teaches us that Satan enslaves mankind through the fear of death. That every fear is rooted in the fear of death. The fear of death is the master fear of the terrorist. And that fear of death, Satan uses it to connect to every other fear that you may be dealing with to keep you chained, to make you slaves. What did it tell us in Romans 8? That when we were born again, we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. We, were spirit, we received the spirit of adoption. And because we know we belong to God, that God's put us in his family, we cry out, Abba, Father. We cry out, we've got a father. We've got a dad. And we got someone who cares about us. The world operates by the spirit of fear because Satan is a terrorist. And he keeps people in control by the threat of fear. Go to 1 John chapter 4. We're talking about unmasking fear. Because fear is more than just fright. Because we think, okay, someone startled you. Someone jumped out and scared you. And that's how we identify with fear. People say, oh, fear, that's what happens when you're in a haunted house or go to a horror movie. That's fear. But if that's all our definition of fear is, fear could be running the show in your life and you don't know it. Come on, you can be all like full of macho-ness and bravado, like, I ain't afraid of nothing. You sure about that? Well, there's no fear in my life. Are you sure about that? Because it just has a different mask on. First John chapter 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love or matured love or developed love casts out or evicts fear because fear involves torment. That word torment is the same torment it talks about in hell. The other time this word is used, it talks about what's in hell. So fear brings hell into your life. If you want to open a door to hell, operate in fear. It brings the torment of hell into your everyday life. And it says, there's no fear in love, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect or developed in love. We love him because he first loved us. Fear can only exist in areas of your life where you haven't developed your belief in how much God loves you. I'm not saying you don't believe it. I'm saying you haven't developed it. Because you ask any question, do you believe God loves you? Of course God loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but you can quote the whole song. But how much have you let that belief grow in you to influence everything you do? How much do you really believe that God loves you? Last week, we quoted John 16, 27, when Jesus was talking to his disciples. He says, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe that it came forth from God. Notice how that sounded to this group of disciples who've grown up in the Son of God, grown up hearing the law. For Jesus, the Son of God, saying the Father, not to say the Father loves you, that would have been deep enough, the Father loves you. 
But he says, the Father himself loves you. And if anybody would know that, Jesus would know. Can you imagine saying, hey, Peter, hey, Andrew, hey, John, James, come on, come with someone. Simon, come here. I want to tell you something. The Father himself loves you. Imagine the paradigm shift. When they heard that from Jesus, the Son of love himself, the Father loves you. Fear can only exist in areas where we haven't developed our belief in how much God loves us. It has to go beyond mental assent. It has to go beyond the elementary introductory understanding. It has to grow to such a place where that love evicts all fear. It flushes out all fear. So let's unmask it some more. Let's go to Psalm 56 and get into something new. Psalm 56, verse 3. Psalm 56, verse 3. Notice what the psalmist says here. And a lot of the psalms we look at today, David was writing these psalms when he was in some tight situations. Some situations that we might have faced some situations, but we didn't face some situations that this brother faced. And notice what he says. Whenever I am afraid... I will trust in you. Now, this is David, the giant slayer, writing this. You got to think, he, you know, he took down a giant. This guy's pretty brave, right? But notice what he says he does when he's afraid. He said, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. That word trust, yes, it means to have faith in God. It means to have confidence in Him. It means to rely on Him. But also it means to lean on Him. So David says, whenever I'm afraid, God, I'm going to lean on you. Whenever I'm afraid, God, I'm going to rely on you. Here's something you have to understand about fear. Fear is like temptation. Fear is like temptation. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's not. It's a sin to act on that temptation, but it's not a sin to be tempted. Fear is like temptation. It is not a sin to be afraid. Do you know what happens when you are tempted? When you are tempted, you are presented with a choice. Right? And what did God promise you in 1 Corinthians? that there'll be no temptation that comes into your life that you can't handle. Because with every temptation, God is faithful, and he'll provide a way out. When a temptation shows up, it lets you know that you have a choice. Now, Satan may be lying to you, so you don't have any choices in this matter, but the fact that you are tempted should remind you, I have a choice. Because there always will be a way out. There's never a temptation that can show up in your life that there's not another choice. Now, the enemy in the world may say there's no other choices, but there's always a choice. There's always a choice. Fear is like temptation. When you are afraid, you should remember you have a choice. 
Anytime fear shows up, it presents a choice. Whenever you are afraid, you have to remember that you have a choice. Say, I have a choice. Fear always presents a choice. Fear is like anger. To be angry is not a sin. Because the scripture says, be angry and sin not. But if you stay in anger, it will become a sin or will lead you to sin. Being afraid is not a sin. But staying in fear will lead you to sin. Fear will lead you to make decisions that outlast the sensation of fright. We'll say that again. Fear will lead you to make decisions that outlast the sensation of fright. What decisions in your life have you made because you were afraid? You had a choice. You could either lean and trust, or you can act out of that fear. Fear is a tutor. It will teach you another way to think, and it will teach you another way to live. Whenever fear shows up, there's a choice presented to you, and there's a decision you have to make. But guess what? If you keep making decisions based on fear, those decisions become a habit. You make enough habits, it becomes a lifestyle. Now you might say, I'm not afraid of nothing, but everything you do is rooted in fear. That's how fear is so dangerous. It has a mask on. It's telling you what to do all your days. But you say, well, I haven't been afraid of anything since I was a child. Well, let's go back there. Did you deal with that? Just because you buried it didn't mean you resolved it. Just because it's buried doesn't mean it's resolved. Time does not heal all wounds. The correct application in the midst of time can bring healing, but the wrong application can make it fester. Just because it's a long time ago, just because it's buried doesn't mean it's resolved. You might have just learned a new way to make a decision out of fear. I'm not telling you you need to manage fear. I'm telling you you need to kick fear out. Because a lot of you good are managing fear, especially you daredevils. My oldest child is one of those daredevils who likes roller coasters. The roller coasters that make no sense. The roller coasters, I'm like, why would I ever get on this roller coaster except to ride with you? Those type of roller coasters. Like my oldest celebrated birthday, she wanted to go paragliding thousands of feet in the air. That's, her That's like more power to you. I like that in my 20s. Not in my 20s no more. And so with that, people who like that know how to manage that fear. They say, like, okay, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to do this roller coaster. I'm going to do this daredevil thing. But they get a report from the doctor, and there's the fear. The economy shifts, and there's the fear. They have to stand up and do something, there's the fear. I'm not telling you to manage the fear. I'm telling you kick out the fear. Because if you manage the fear, the fear will put on another mask, another face, and it will teach you what to do, teach you how to think, teach you how to live, and develop a mentality that puts space between you and God. Remember I said it's not just your sin that separates you from God. It's also a way that you think. 
And fear will teach you a way to think that will keep you separated from God, his goodness, and his provision. Not saying that God is separating himself, but you are separating yourself. Fear presents a choice. And fear will lead you to self-sabotage. You've been praying for years for the right spouse. You finally got them. Things are working out. And now you're doing crazy stuff. Because it's the first good relationship you had. So you want to set a trap for them. Let's see if they'll remain faithful. Because the rest of those persons, they cheated on me, but let me set this trap. You are sabotaging because you are afraid what you experienced in the past will happen again. Some of you don't have any friends, not because you don't want friends, you just sabotage relationships. Because you're expecting everybody to betray you. You're expecting everybody to ghost you. You're expecting everybody to leave you on red because somebody did that before. And so now every time you get into a new relationship, seems it's working out, seems like you're connecting, seems like you're doing life in community, you say, you know what, let me do something crazy, let me say this because I'm afraid what a real relationship looks like. And you self-sabotage. It's fear. Some of you are really afraid doing what God has called you to do because you're afraid it's gonna work. You're not afraid of failure. You're afraid of success because you've heard stories of people who had success and they failed. You're not afraid of failure, failure, you're afraid of success. Some of you say, well, God, I don't wanna to prosper too much because you know money makes people crazy. Money don't make people crazy. You say, well, they got money, they went crazy. No, baby, they were already crazy. They were just too broke for you to notice. Fear will make you destroy your life. And you'll call it wisdom. You know what? You know, I'm just got to be wise out there. Sure, you got to be wise out there. But what decisions are you actually making? You have to unmask this thing because some of you have been doing it for years, decades. How about this? Your parents taught you to be afraid. And so now you pass it on. Now there's a way to teach wisdom to a child without teaching fear, right? So he said, look both ways because you cross the street, right? That is wisdom, right? You don't have to say, look both ways before you cross the street because I'm afraid you might get hit by a car. Why does fear even have to be in the picture? Just say, look both ways before you cross the street. Cars are coming. There is dangerous not to do so. Don't produce fear into the picture. Also, what happens is previous generational trauma can produce teachings of fear. Previous generational trauma can produce generational teachings of fear. Y'all want me to go there? Because, you know, remember you guys got to smile at me. It's birthday weekend. So you guys got to smile at me. Well, I can't have any friends with anybody who does not my shade of complexion because they're actually out to get me. They're out to get my jobs. The white man's out to get me. The black man's out to get me. The Latino man's out to get me. The Asian man's out to get me. The Republican's out to get me. The Democrat's out to get me. They're out to get me because 
previous generational trauma. Well, pastor, there are bigots out there. Yes, there are. Oh, there are racists out there. Yeah, there are. There are people who hate me because of this. Sure. Well, that's not everybody. But if you do not address that thinking, you will treat everybody like they're out to get you. You got to deal with it. One of the things we know in this nation, we got a long way to go in a lot of areas. But thank God, we're not where we used to be. And for some of you think, well, this is the worst this nation's ever been, please pick up a history book. A real history book that tells you what actually happened. So don't buy into the lie, we're worse than we've ever been. No, we ain't, not even close. And we ain't going back. I said, we ain't going back. We are the United States of America, not the divided States of America. Why would I want this nation to go down? I'm in it. That is stupidity gone to seed, to wish for a nation you live in to fail? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm here, I want it to be better. Well, pastor, don't you know about slavery? Yes, very much so. But why? Let me, can I just go there? Yes, it'd be nice to me. It's my birthday. Why would I want a nation to be destroyed that was built by the lashes of the blood that was shed from my ancestors? No. Why would I want the nation to be a nation of vengeance? No. He said, well, do you believe with the history of America that God called it? Yes. You mean that America can be called by God and ratchet at the same time? Yes. Because can't you be called by God and ratchet at the same time? Yes. Aren't you glad that God didn't leave you because of your past? Yes. God has not done, America, done with America just because America's been ratchet before. It takes a group of people who actually believe that God can move in these days and make America become what it's supposed to be for every person who's in this nation, every color, every background, every education, every class. We believe in the American dream not because of the founding fathers, but because Jesus has a plan for this nation. And it will come to pass. I don't care what side of the aisle says something about it. The plan of God shall come to pass for this nation. That's why you can't be hating people. You can't be hating people. You can. And you can't be blaming people for stuff they didn't do. How you can blame people who weren't here 100 years ago? Were they here 200 years ago? Then don't blame them. Did they write that rule 300 years ago? No. Then don't blame them. Well, things didn't even right. Sure it does. But is your anger going to make it right? Anger is a poor fuel. It will get you that fall, and it will destroy you on the inside. Anger is a poor fuel. It won't get you that far, and it will destroy your life. Well, what's the best fuel? Love. Love will get you far. Love, justice. Love, what is right. 
love the plan of God. Love the purpose of God. And while you love, you forgive everybody of everything. Everybody of everything. Because the root of a lot of racism is fear. It's fear. It's a spirit of fear that has been in this nation. You say, oh, since 1619, before that. Oh, I've tracked this bad boy before 1492. See, I'm in the midst of putting together something for next year. Don't give in to the spirit of fear. When fear tries to come upon you, resist it. You make a decision to not be afraid because fear always presents a choice. But this means you have to renew your mind. You have to change the way you think. You got to refuse not to be afraid. You have to refuse. You got to be, you have to refuse. Go to Psalm 27 1. Psalm 27 1. Notice what it says here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat at my flesh, my enemies, my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may camp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Go to Psalm 3. Psalm 3. Verse 1, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke. For the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who set themselves against me all around. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Fear presents a choice. You have to make the choice of trust, the trust in God who loves you, the trust 
and the Father himself who loves you. You know what it says later in Psalm 56, 4, the New Living Translation? It says, I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Because some of you don't do what God's called you because you're afraid what somebody else might say. They might say something. Well, they might. They might tweet something. Well, they might. They might put it on threads. They might. They might put it on TikTok. They might. But what can they really do to you? Notice David's confidence. that I will praise God for what he's promised. What can people do to me? What, in other words, what they do is not greater than what God promised. And if what they do is not greater than what God promised, why should I be afraid? Go to Psalm 91. One, I'm asking fear. Because there's decisions we've operated by so long, which is just fear under a different name. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lay waste in noonday. You shall not be afraid of the terror, the extreme fear that happens at night. Nor, you know, most of you ain't afraid of arrows, but bullets sounds real. Bullets that fly by day. Nor the pestilence or the sicknesses or the diseases or the virus that walks in darkness. Nor of the absolute destruction that lays waste at noonday. Now, we can read this where you should not be afraid as a command. Yes, sir, we will not be afraid. But it's more than just a command. It's a reality. I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. It says, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. And because of all that, you won't be afraid. Because you realize his promises are your protection. His promises are your shield. Because you realize you're in the secret place and he's covering you, you won't be afraid. I said, you won't be afraid. It's not just a command, it's a reality. Why am I not afraid? I trust God. So when fear shows up, you make the decision to trust. Well, why do you trust God? He promised. He promised. He promised. Because some of you are afraid that you're going to die early, but the thing God promised you is going to take decades to fulfill. So why are you afraid of dying till tomorrow when God has a promise for you that's going to take decades to come to pass. His promise is a shield. As David said, he promised. So what can mere morals do to me? Let's go a little bit further. Go to Psalm 112. Psalm 
Psalm 112. Psalm 112, verse 6. Talking about the Psalm 112 man, this righteous man. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. Why? His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The New Living Translation says this way, such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. Why is this righteous man not afraid? Because he fixed his heart. He established his heart, which means before the fear showed up, he made a decision about his heart. He made a decision about his soul. He made a decision about his mind. He made a decision about his emotions. Before the terror flooded the earth, he made a decision. I won't be afraid. God has promised. I trust the promises of God. It fixes your heart in place. Fear will get you running every which way. And you know what it's called? Panic. So many believers are acting like Chicken Little. Running around shouting, the sky is falling. Well, pastor, don't you know it's the last days? Yes. According to scripture, we've been in the last days since Jesus was here. We've been in the last days almost 2,000 years now. Well, don't you know it's the end time? Sure it is. You don't have to have a deep degree of theology to look outside and say, oh, it looks like things are about to wrap up. But the last days and the end times are not an excuse to fear. Because even when we deal and talk about the issues of race, it's not something we're supposed to run away from, nor it's something that you can pray away. Because Jesus says, in the last days, nation will rise against nation. That word nation is not talking about Russia and Ukraine. That word nation means ethnos or ethnicities. So Jesus said there's going to be racial tension in the end times. Now, there's been racial tension for thousands of years. That's nothing new. But there's going to be a lot of it at the end. So does that mean we're supposed to be afraid of it? Does that mean we're supposed to ignore it? Or just pray about it and use our faith and speak to it? Or do we actually be light? Do we actually be salt? Do we actually believe that God can do something within his people that shows the rest of the world how to live? I heard someone say this before, and I agree with it. He says, you know why the U.S. government can't fix this problem? Because they're not anointed to do it. And I'll add another part to it, why the church has to fix this problem. The church helped create it. So we could either be people like, wow, it's a problem. 
it's the end times. Wow. Did you see the news? Did you see the hashtag? We could be those people and have a country club experience when we come to church. And oh, well, Jesus is coming back soon. Ooh, it's bad out there. But I'm glad I got church. Or because we choose not to be afraid, we believe that we can make a difference. And the reason we're here for such a time as this is to be the answer. As those who aren't moved by fear or by racism, but those who are moved by love, who are moved by faith. We know the story, we own the story, and we change the story. Why? We're believers. It also says there'll be famine and lack in the last days. But you're not going to settle with that, are you? Come on, anybody here like to eat? I like to eat. Some of you got plans to eat right now. So come on, Pastor, hurry up. I got, I got plans. So you're not going to settle for famine in the last days. So why don't you settle for racial tension? No, Paul also talks about how children will be out of control in the last days. Not in my house. Not in my house. What about your house? Because y'all would be, really behave. Y'all were about to say, so come on and say, not in my house. So if you are not going to let that happen in your house, why would you let all the other stuff in the last days into your house? If you can believe you can handle that in your house, why don't you believe you can handle the rest? Do you know why you think you can't? Fear. Because you believe more in the end times than you believe in the Holy Ghost who's in you. Well, pastor, don't you know there's an antichrist? Yes, but can I tell you about the Christ? Well, pastor, don't you know there's gonna be a false prophet? Well, can I tell you about God has raised up apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Don't you know the revelation talks about Babylon? I heard it's got a hoe. You're taking minor characters of the book and exalting them to promise. Yes, there is a Babylon, but there is a heavenly Jerusalem. Yes, there is a kingdom of darkness, but there is a kingdom of light. Stop being Satan's PR team. Satan don't need to hire anybody. He got the church to do the job. He's like, you can call it prayer means, oh, oh, Satan's been doing this week. Satan's been busy. He's been busy for thousands of years. Stop talking about what Satan's been doing. Start talking about what Jesus is doing. Come on, people were so obsessed with what happened at an award show. <gasps> Did you see the darkness on that stage? Did you see the sin? Well, sinners are going to sin. Yeah, yeah, aware of it. But at the same time, a revival broke out on a college campus. So instead of talking about sin or sinning, let's talk about the Holy Ghost moving. Because whatever you talk the most about shows what you're impressed by. So many of us talk about the darkness because we're impressed by it. And the reason we're so impressed by it is because we've been living in fear. No more. If you're going to live a supernatural lifestyle of faith, you have to depart from the operating system of fear. Because fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I, live, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 
not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Notice what Jesus says as he's about to leave. Don't allow your heart to become agitated. Don't allow your heart to become back and forth or wishy-washy. But what you should do, fix your heart. Don't let it be afraid. What does that remind you? You have a choice. When fear shows up this week, and it will, there's a lot of stuff to be afraid of out there. Tons of stuff. Oh, there's pastor just watch the news for about 15 minutes. You'll learn something new to be afraid of. There's a lot of things to be afraid of. And even talk about the end times where men's heart will fail them for fear. There are tons of things to be afraid of out there. But when you go out there, what decision will you make? Will you decide to partner with fear and make decisions out of fear? Or will you believe God's promises and make decisions based off of the leading of the Spirit of God? Notice the situation that caused fear is still there in front of you. But you have a choice of how to respond, out of fear, or you can respond out of the leading of the Holy Ghost. So many of us respond out of fear, we never even check out with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, what do you want me to do about that? You forgot to ask because you're afraid. You think the only two responses are fight and flight. Now, those are some responses. But Jesus got more. You can't just give in to the fear when it shows up. Too many of us are making decisions in our everyday life, and fear's been pulling the strings the whole time. You're walking like Pinocchio. Got no strings to hold me down. <laughs> sure about that? Because fear has been pulling the strings. It's time to get free of fear. One more scripture, Philippians 1.28. Just taking another step forward today, and we'll continue the next week. Notice what Paul says here. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Not in any way. Notice he said, not in any way terrified by your enemy. Notice it says in New Living Translation, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. Do not let the situations you face this week intimidate you. Don't let the enemy raising his head cause you to be terrified. You staring down their terrorist, refusing to fear, reminds him that God is going to deal with them in the end. Refuse to fear. Refuse it. Don't let anything terrify you. Don't let anything cause you to leave this place of faith and love. Because operating fear will rob you of the miraculous. God has so much more for you. Don't let fear and the way fear has taught you to think cause you to be separate from the plan of God. He loves you. And because he loves you, because he protects you, because he's with you, and because he's made you promises, what can people do to you? 
no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn in judgment. For that is your heritage. And you are the righteousness of God. Don't be afraid. Our best days have arrived. Our best days as a church where faith is concerned. Our best days as the body of Christ at large is concerned. And our best days as a nation. And notice that none of that is dependent on who sits in the Supreme Court, who sits in the White House, or who sits in Congress. It's dependent on what the church does. The church is the most powerful force that has ever existed. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You know, that word power, I found another definition for it. it they use that word power to describe the full force of the Roman army or the force of a force of nature. You operating by the Spirit of God, refusing to fear, you become a force of nature that hell cannot stand against. For it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. When's the last time you saw some gates move? We need to stop playing defense. It's time to go on the offense. Hell cannot hold us back. Stand to your feet. Father, we thank you for loving us, for giving us your spirit as a sign of your love. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of love who lives within us and rests upon us, who enables us and empowers us to live this life like Jesus, to fulfill the plan and to live free of fear. Father, help us not just to be hearers of this word, but to be doers of this word. So we'll be blessed in our doing, as it says in the book of James. We just began here, Father. So Father, I ask over this next week, you help them unmask fear in their lives. Some have already been unmasked, but unmask more to show them decisions that have been rooted in fear and show them how to change it, how to recover from it, and make decisions that are based on the wisdom of the Holy Ghost and live by faith and love and the true wisdom of God. Hallelujah. For you are with us. With us to deliver us. Not to leave us or forsake us but to deliver us. Deliver us from what's to come later this month and this year. Deliver us. You're with us to deliver us so we won't be afraid. You are with us to deliver us. You are with us to deliver us. Gino, sing out, he is with us to deliver us. And if one of my team can get Minister Cam for me real quick.
you know, sing out, he is with us to deliver us. 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 You don't keep singing that. Minister Camila, I want you to sing out. He will not leave us he nor forsake us. He is with us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. To deliver He us. will not leave us. He is with us. Nor forsake us. To deliver us. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encouraged you and is to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message, and remember, God has a great plan for your life, and something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.